frightening. Uh, but you'll understand after after you've seen it. There is no language in this this video clip. I have scrutinized the lyrics of this song, and they actually apply very well with what it is we're talking about. All right. So don't freak out. Don't try to hear words that aren't there. It's really hard to understand. One of those headbands on. Watch this video. If we can get to pull up. You know that there was no strings, there was no special effects, there was no green screen, there was no nothing to say that they didn't actually do it. And that's what you guys are doing. You're just actually doing it. Nitro stunts, you have to succeed or you die. those videos some of them are absolutely insane I mean just ridiculous and it was a whole show it was more than one series believe it or not it was more than one 
full season of those type of events, show after show after show. Absolutely insane. And these guys would just do the most ridiculous, stupid stunts and call it fun. Our subject this morning is faith or just plain stupid. Obviously, jumping a three-wheel big wheel from one skyscraper to the other is not exactly intelligent. Not exactly something that is wise in anybody's estimation. I'm preaching this sermon this morning not to to pick on anyone but myself. I think a lot of times we sit in in the service and we listen to the message, we listen to God's word, and we, we point fingers. Like, yeah, this person needs that, and yeah, that person needs this, and yeah, they should, I hope they're listening to this because they really need this. I'm not pointing fingers, and if you want to point fingers, point them at me. Because I'm guilty. It was me. I did it. Oftentimes in my life, I have just been plain stupid. I haven't thought things through. I haven't sought godly advice. I have just made decisions because I thought God was leading in one way or the other. The last couple of weeks, we've really kind of defined what it is, what faith really is, by sort of breaking down the, the definitions of what it's not. Uh, looking at not just the world's idea of what faith is, but religion's idea of what faith is. We've taken a sledgehammer to a lot of those, those ways of thinking. And we're going to try to do that again this morning. In the same type of way, uh, we're going to try to accomplish in that same way. Before we do that, let's look to God a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. God, I thank you for all of the worship and all of the praise and all of the celebrating of you we've done this week. God, as, as we come here together today, I pray that as the, the cooperation of all of us worshiping together, God, will make you smile. It will make you proud of, of what it is that's going on here. God, thank you for blessing in so many ways and allowing us uh, to spend time focusing on the things that you did for us. Suffering and pain, agony, the defeat that you felt on the cross for us. Taking our place, taking a hit for us. I pray that we'll embrace that today and allow that to sink in completely and then God allow your word to change us from the inside out. God, we don't want to come in here and just let it go in one ear and out the other. God, we want to be changed by being here today. Help us with that. Send your spirit among us to change our minds and our hearts about things that we may have thought that were right all along. God, use your word to guide and lead this morning. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Leap of faith. <laughs> well, what, what do some people say that the Bible says? Well, we've talked about it the last couple of weeks. We've said, uh, okay, just help me out. True or false? The opposite of faith is fear and doubt. True or false? False. You're right. We're going to do basically the same thing this morning, except with a little bit different idea. A lot of people say that the Bible says that a synonym of faith is risk. Is taking a risk. Travis Pastrana has nuts and bolts all over. He has, I think, a dozen or so in his left ankle. His right knee has been replaced two or three times. Uh, both hips have been replaced. Um, he's, had, uh, he's actually got plates in to hold his ribs together because they've been broken so many times. He's got plates in his head. Uh, the guy is just a disaster. He's the one that did most of these stunts on Nitro Circus. Not intelligent. Not wise. The synonym of faith is risk. Not so much. It's like putting God in a place where he has to come through. Blind faith is stupid. God never called us to a blind faith. A stupid faith. We use the analogy of stepping out of the boat. 
right? Because Peter stepped out of the boat, so we should step out, right? We use that often. We also use the, the idea of, well, leave your boats and your nets behind and, and move on to what God wants you to get accomplished. Going to a place where God has to pull you through in order to survive. We think that if it's crazy, it's going to take faith. Proverbs chapter 19, verses 2 and 3. I want you to listen to this passage of Scripture. It says, Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry with God. Ignorant zeal is worthless. Haste makes waste. People ruin their lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? It's in the book. It's in the Bible. It's in God's word. Stupid's not my word. It's God's word. He's the one calling us foolish and and folly and, and stupid when we do things outside of what we know to be right. Because we think it's faith. Because we think it's risky. Therefore, we need to do it. The reason that this painting is captured our attention is because we think that it takes faith to jump from one side to the other. We hold our breath. And, oh, is he going to make it? Like the school bus. Oh, is it going to make it? This particular place, this particular situation, it's not a blind faith. God was created to make leaps like this. God designed him specifically to do exactly what he's doing. Yes, it takes faith, but it's faith in who? Not what? It's faith in God. It's the vehicle. He knows that he's capable of doing those things. We get this misconception that faith is like the X Games, trying to see how much risk we can take, trying to be like <coughs> Travis Pastrana and and Nitro Circus cast. Not the case at all. So what does the Bible really say? Let's go to a couple passages of Scripture. Matthew, let's look in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 4. Very beginning of the New Testament, probably about two-thirds, three-fourths away through your Bible. Matthew chapter 4. I don't think this one's up on the screen. It's, it might have a reference to it, but I want you to look this one up. Let's go. We're going we're gonna to look up several different passages, so keep your Bibles ready and, and open. Matthew chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 18 to start. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, this is the passage of scripture that we often use to, to say, well, you need to leave your, leave your nets and your boats behind and you need to move on to something that God's calling you to. He saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew throwing a net into the water where they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me. I will show you how to fish for people. And verse 20, this is the one we always quote. He says, And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in the boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. We used to use this, and, and I've heard this used as that we need to walk away from everything so that we can serve God differently. I want you to understand that this particular occasion, this particular thing that was taking place here was very common. There was many rabbis in this particular country, and every young boy helping their father do whatever their father did hoped, prayed, the entire community was in tune with this type of thing. The young boys were in training to become a disciple of a rabbi. That's what they did. That's what they looked forward to. It's just like today where, where kids will often go to college after high school. It's no new event. It's, no, it's nothing new. That's just what they did. That's what was expected after you, you went through all of the Jewish training for a young boy. You hoped and prayed that a rabbi would call you. 
This was not strange. This was not a leap of faith. This was not risk. This is exactly what they had planned for their entire life. They were hoping that a rabbi would come and call them to be their disciple. Jesus isn't saying, take a leap of faith. Let's see what happens. He gave them exact, specific calling. They knew exactly what they were going to do. They knew when. When were they going to do it? They're going to do it right now. Come follow me now. They knew what they were going to do. They knew that they were going to fish for men. They knew that their livelihood was going to change from fishing for fish to fishing for men. They knew exactly what it was going to be. They knew when, they knew how, they knew where. These guys knew exactly what was going on. This was customary. This was normal. It wasn't just a hunch or a whim on their part. These boys weren't just randomly leaving their family and their community and their jobs on a wish and a prayer. Jesus Christ was giving them specific instructions. Some people use this to get others to leave what they're doing to follow Christ. I'm not saying that we don't make breaks. There are breaks that we need to make with the world. There may even be career changes that need to take place because we give our heart and mind and our soul to Jesus Christ. There's going to be changes. I know you felt it. There's been some changes in your life. When you become a Christian, you know what? There are some friends that sort of start to drift away. They're no longer a part of your life anymore. I'm not saying that that's what what we're talking about here. We're talking about hard breaks that we just need to go, go do something for Jesus because you're not doing what you should do. That's not what's going on here. Let's go on to the next one. A couple pages over. Matthew chapter 14. A couple pages over. Matthew 14. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to start reading in verse 25. <clears throat> Jesus had gone away from the disciples. He, was, he had gone up on the mountain to pray. He'd been there all night or most of the night. Uh, It was between 2 and and 6 a.m. in the morning. He's like, you know what? The boys are probably out there. They're probably wondering what's going on. They're probably wondering where I'm at. So I should probably go find out where they're at. I can see them, but they can't see me. Um, I should probably go find out what's going on. Shortly before dawn, starting in verse 25, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. (laughs) It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Who spoke up? Imagine that, right? Peter spoke up. He says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come, on, uh, to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith. He said, why do you doubt? It's the kind of faith that Peter was lacking there. Not how much. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Peter walked on water. Just get out of the boat. That's all you got to do. Just, just make that leap of faith. Get out of the boat. God's going to take care of it. Once in all of history, a man walks on water. Let's get some context of chapter 14. We've gone through a little bit of, of Jesus' ministry, right? We've, we've seen blind people all of a sudden be able to see Lame people walk. Deaf girls, dead girls live. <laughs> 5,000 people get fed out of a SpongeBob lunchbox, right? I'm sure it wasn't a SpongeBob. They didn't have it back then. There was nothing blind about this leap. Peter had seen Jesus do miraculous things for the last three or four months, maybe, maybe three or four years. He'd, he'd been around for a while, following him, understanding him. This is the very Son of God asking Peter to come out on the water. This was no blind leap of faith. We've been using this working definition for the last several weeks. It kind of goes like this. Biblical faith is trusting God enough to do what He says. And I'm going to add a little bit to it. Not what I think He says. 
Not what I feel is right. Not what my heart feels. Not what I'm at peace with. Not what I'm really passionate about. I think I'm supposed to leave everything behind because, you know, I've got this hunch. There was no hunch in this story. There was no burning in the bosom in this story. These things were direct. They were timely. And they were specific. Jesus told them exactly what to do. Peter said, if that's you, Lord, ask, ask me to come out to you. And Jesus said, come. When? Right now. What are you going to do? I'm going to walk on water. Peter knew exactly what he was to do. 107 billion people have lived on this planet since the beginning of time. That's an estimate, obviously. From the beginning of time until now. 107 billion people. That's a lot of people. How many of those people walked on water? That we know of. One other than Christ, right? One human. Okay? If, if every Christian in the Bible walked on water, if every one of the stories we read in the Bible about Christian people, they were actually walking on water, then you know what? We would have walking on water lessons, right? We would do our best to try to figure out how to do it. We say things like, well, you just have, have to have enough faith to step out of the boat. But, but I'm scared. Well, I guess you just don't have enough faith. Faith is not stepping blindly into something that you have a hunch about. Faith is doing what God has already told you to do, not what you think he's telling you. Faith is not doing what you think he is telling you. Faith is doing what you know he's told you. Faith is not taking blind leaps of faith. Augustine said it this way. Listen closely. God does not expect us to submit our faith to him without reason. But the very limits of our reason makes faith a necessity. God does not expect us to submit our faith to him without reason. But the very limits of our reason make faith a necessity. So there's the leave your nets and boats and walking on the water. Now let's keep going. How about every other story you've heard in the Bible? Moses crossing the Red Sea. Was that a blind leap of faith? Uh Uh-uh. God walked him through very specific instructions. Here's what's going to take place. Here's what's going to happen. You do this, and then you do this, and then you do this. That's how it's going to take place. How about the priest stepping into the Jordan River? Was that a leap of faith? Was that a blind leap of faith? Step into that flooded Jordan River. No. You know why? Because God gave them specific instructions. He told them exactly what he was doing. How about Joshua and his, his, his marching band? <laughs> A bunch of nerds. Band nerds, right? They weren't. God gave them specific instructions. This is how you're going to do it. This is when you're going to do it. This is how many times you're going to go around the, around the building. This is how you're going to take this place. I'm giving you very specific instructions. They weren't going out on blind faith. They knew exactly what God wanted them to do. Every other story that you can think of, God gave specific instructions. I'm not saying that blind leaps of faith haven't seen God come through. But that's not the norm. There's stories out there. There's stories out there where people will do crazy things and God comes through and saves them. There is. But those are the bizarre. Those are the out of the normal. Those are not typical situations. And to be honest, it's places like that. It's stories like that that make me feel like not much of a Christian. I'm no hero of faith. I haven't haven't led God's people through any oceans lately. My army hasn't knocked down any walls by playing some music and yelling. 
understand this. Faith is not what gets God moving. Faith is what gets us moving towards God. Faith is not what gets God moving. Faith is what gets us moving towards God. So how do we live with this? this there, there are times when, and I don't know about you, but in my life there are times when I will face a decision and, and there are consequences because of that decision. I know there's going to be, but I cannot get a clear answer from God. I'm struggling. I don't, know, I don't know where he's leading. I don't know what he's doing. And there's nothing in his word that talks about that particular thing. So what do you do? I'm going to show you something. This is my favorite Bible story in the Bible. This is my favorite story in the Bible. This week. 1 Samuel chapter 14. Go there with me. 1 Samuel chapter 14. It's in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd, Samuel, right? 1st, 2nd, Samuel, 1st, 2nd, Kings, 1st, 2nd, Chronicles. If you find the 1st and 2nds, go to the beginning of them, all right? 1st Samuel, chapter 14. Philistines are, are encamped out on the, on the, uh, on the ocean plain there, just, just to the, let's see, it's going to be just to the east of the Mediterranean. And the Israelites are up in the mountains, in the Judean mountains there. And the, Israelite, or the Philistines have figured out how to make their own weapons. They figured out how to put metal together and, and throw stuff together so that they can actually have weapons. The Bible tells us that there were weapons in Israel too. Guess how many? Two. There were two swords in Israel. King Saul had a sword and Jonathan had a sword. The rest of them, guess what they had? Shovels, picks, axes, shovels. They were farmers, they were, they were ranchers, they were, they were shepherds. They had those kind of, of weapons, right? So the Philistines were in a, a definitely a lot better place. Here's how faith works. Look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Got to get the setting. Are you ready? Here we go. One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod, and his son Ichabod's brother uh, Ahatab, son of Phinehas, and the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On, on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sina. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash and the other to the south toward Geba. So you get, the, you get the setting here? Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Look at the next word in your Bible. Perhaps. Highlight, underline, circle, Put smiley face and stars next to that word. Do whatever you have to do to that word to make it stand out to you. Okay? Perhaps. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Look what the armor bearer said. He was, uh, he was the early cast of Nitro Circus. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I'm with you heart and soul. The scripture paints the picture well. The king and his priests are sitting on their bottoms in the shade. Can't say butt in church. They're sitting on their bottoms in the shade. And they're, they're just lounging there. They're waiting for something to happen. They're not, they're not coming out in battle. They're not doing anything. They've got shovels and axes and picks. They don't have any weapons. So they're kind of just hanging out. Have you ever felt like this? Your leadership has just sort of come to a standstill. The spiritual guidance is foggy at best. God is just not responding. This is the state of Israel at this point. What does Jonathan say? He says, perhaps. Perhaps. 
we could live or we could die. Perhaps. His armor bearer says, what's the plan? So look at verse 8. Jonathan said, come on then. We will cross over to them and let them see us. If they say to us, to us, wait there until we come to you. We will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that God has given them into our hands. How sure is Jonathan on this one? Perhaps. He's pulling a perhaps card. Look at verse 11. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistine, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they are hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, Come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Climb up after me, the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. That's the sign they were looking for. I guess we go up. How sure about this are you, Jonathan? Perhaps. Perhaps. Look at verse 13. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet. This was a steep embankment. With his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In this first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an acre of about a half, or in, a, in an area about a half acre. Okay, you take, you take out this corner wall here, that corner piece, that's about, a, that's about a quarter of acre or so, half an acre maybe. So Jonathan and his armor bearer killed about 25 guys in that area. Okay, not a real big area. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in that area. Verse 15, then panic struck the whole army. Those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Israel won that day because one guy went out, perhaps he <laughs> He didn't claim that he had the spirit of Elijah or Joshua or Moses. He didn't say, let's go up and see what God's going to do because he wasn't sure. He said, perhaps. This model of perhapsing is much better than the model of name it and claim it. There's lots of promises in God's word. If we play this whole name it and claim it game, we may not make it. We may come back with our tails between our legs. There's a tendency to blame God as well when we play the name it and claim it kind of game. Well, God said he's going to bless. God said he's going to do it. God said he's going to save me. You know what? Not a good idea. When God seems unclear on a particular situation, uh, when we use the perhaps model, we can come back and say, you know what? I guess I was wrong. I gave it a shot. We did the best we could. I guess I was wrong. Like Don Valencia, embracing the, fav- the failures so that he could find the edge of the cliff. Remember our story Wednesday night? He found the edge of the cliff. He, he, he knew where the edge was so that he could work from there. God is good all the time. God is good. God's still good even if we fail, even if we fall short, even if we don't make it to where we think we ought to be. God is still good. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18 says, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. Sometimes it takes a rising before it's plain as day. Sometimes there has to be some daylight underneath our behinds in order to get light to what God wants us to do. Sometimes we have to get off of our, of our, our behinds in order to get moving before God can show up and really start doing some things. Perhaps... Proverbs 15, verse 21. This verse is sort of out of place, but it's a good verse. Foolishness brings joy to those with no sense. Foolishness brings joy to those with no sense. A sensible person stays on the right path. 
Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. So I have some questions for you. These questions are going to be ones that you want to ask yourself before that you go out perhapsing, right? These questions are ones you're going to ask yourself before you make a decision. It could be a small one. It could be whether I, whether I choose a Twinkie or a Ding Dong for a snack. Or it could be monumental. It could be where I choose to live. It could be what my career is. It could be, it could be anything. What school I'm going to go to. What woman or man I'm going to marry. Ask yourself these questions. Number one. Am I already obeying what's clearly written? Before we try to decipher what God is saying about the unclear things, make sure you're obeying what you already understand. If you're looking for a whisper from God about a job situation, where to live, a relationship situation, maybe it's a a financial issue or or a family issue or a health issue. If you're praying for God to move and you are you aren't already obeying what he's written, you know what my bet is? You will hear nothing but silence from God. If you're praying for God to move and you aren't already obeying what he's already written, my bet is you probably won't hear anything from God. Why would he whisper something to you if you can't trust him enough with something he's already written? We call it the Word of God because what? It's the Word of God. That's why it's called the Word of God. God writes in that thing. And you know what? This book has it all. This book is a full plan for our lives. It has everything from, from how to get along with your spouse to how to raise godly children. If you, if you don't understand how to treat people, read the book. Read God's word. It tells us how to, how to treat people, how to get along with difficult ones, how to get along with easy to get along with ones. It helps us understand how to, how to treat those people. It helps us how to stand. It gives us a basic understanding of, of, of civility. It goes all the way to detailed descriptions and examples of how to love selflessly. Most of what this life has to offer, the Bible has an answer for Saying it's an old book with old ideas is just a cop-out because you don't want to follow it. We catch ourselves in prayer saying things like, I just, I just can't figure out why you're not speaking to me, God. I can't figure out why you're not answering my prayers. He's answering. And he's saying, I can't figure out why you aren't listening. There's so much already written that we're not really doing. Number one, if you have a question for God, if you don't know what to do, ask yourself, am I already obeying what's clearly written? Secondly, is my spouse on the same page? God will not call you to something that is against what your spouse thinks. I've heard individuals say, well, well maybe, maybe I just married the wrong one. No. God's will for your life is to be on the same page with your spouse. They say, well, God is, uh, God's really telling me to move here, or do this or do that. If they don't want to go, then I guess what? I guess you ain't going. God's word says that you are to specifically and sacrificially Love your spouse. You need to get on your knees and pray that your heart or the heart of your spouse changes. And until that happens, you don't move anywhere. There is no leap of faith for you. Nowhere in scripture does it tell you to leave your spouse on a hunch on something that you think God is telling, God's telling you to do. Just because you think God is telling you to do something, no. No. Second question you want to ask yourself is, is is my spouse on the same page? Third one. Maybe you don't have a spouse. So drop down to number three. 
What does wise counsel advise? Wise counsel is not people who feel the same way you do about a situation. Did you hear me? If, if you're in a, in, a, in a marriage struggle, if your relationship between your, your, you and your spouse is, is kind of rough and kind of rocky road right now, going to your three friends who are having the same problem and are, are contacting lawyers to try to find out how to get a divorce, that is not wise counsel for you. Wise counsel is going to be people who you respect their relationship with God. And don't just seek one. Go to multiple places, multiple sources. Oftentimes when people leave my presence after I've given advice, I will tell them, you know what? I've told you what I feel about the subject and I feel about the situation, but I would encourage you to seek other advice. Look for other wise people that you can get advice from. Look for other wise counsel. If it passes that test, then you're on to number four. How does this fit with what God has already shown me? God's put us in, all, all of us, in certain situations, in certain family situations, certain job situations, certain living situations. He's put us all there, right? That's where we are because that's where we sit. That's where we are. How does this fit with the rest of my family? How does this fit with the job situation as it is? Has God opened doors to get me where I am currently? Or is this just a whim? Has he ever tried to keep me from doing this before? Have I ever gone out a whim like this before? And and how did it turn out? David took on a giant, right? What did he defeat Goliath with? A sling, right? A slingshot. It wasn't one of those nice ones with the armband and the little things you aim with. Have you seen those really fancy slingshots now? They actually shoot arrows. They've got a big old sight on them. You could actually be pretty accurate with one of those. I could be pretty accurate with one of those with very little practice. It wasn't a toy box full of stuff that David just had an opportunity. Oh, I wonder how he used one of these things. Oh, let's go see what God can do. It wasn't that way. David conquered Goliath because he had bear rugs and, and mountain lion skins hanging on the shop wall. Yeah, right. He had dealt with those kinds of things before. He knew that he was accurate with his sling. He knew that he could take that little stone and put it in a very small location. And he knew where he had to put that stone. Does it fit with what God has already shown me? And number five, how often have my past feelings been wrong? Be very careful how you use God talk. Outside of clear biblical scripture, we need to keep our mouths shut. God told me this or God told me that. Hold on a minute. There was a time in my life. When God was really talking to me. I was running my milk route a little over a year ago. And I was, I was out of sunflower seeds and was a little bit thirsty. So I stopped at the 7-Eleven as I got out of the truck and started up to the door. There was a sign in the window, a little advertisement. It was actually a retro advertisement. They used this slogan a long, long time ago. It said, thank heaven for 7-Eleven. <laughs> That's weird. Okay, God, what are you trying to tell me? I got my seeds and my 12-pack. Yeah, I, don't, I don't never buy just one can. It's, it's like four bucks for one can or five bucks for 12. So you just buy the whole 12-pack. I was getting up to the counter and this, this overwhelming voice came over me. And God said, buy a Powerball ticket. That's really weird because I don't play lottery. I never have. But the voice was so clear. It was just crystal clear. I stepped back away from the counter and and let a couple other people go in front of me just to make sure that I was hearing close. I mean, I was hearing correctly. I just couldn't shake it. So I got up to the counter and I asked to buy a lottery ticket. 
the clerk had to explain it all because I'd never done that before. And so I walked out with my seeds and my soda and my God speak. It wasn't long before I was promising God that I would be selfless with whatever he gave me as a result of this clear speaking. So clearly, he had asked me to buy this lottery ticket. I didn't tell anyone for fear that if they had heard that God spoke to me, that they would think, well, Lloyd's this great, you know, oracle of, of God. I didn't, I didn't tell Carol. I waited patiently for the numbers to be posted. And I'm not even joking. I'm not even lying. Every single one of my numbers were not drawn. I should have laughed. But I was spiritually broken. Head to toe. That was my God moment. I joke and kid. But we've all had them. We've all had those moments when we think, you know what? God is speaking to me. Be careful when you're going on a feeling or a hunch. I may have only risked a dollar, but we risk a lot more on hunches, don't we? We risk the livelihood. We risk our relationships. We risk the spiritual upbringing of our children. We miss out on opportunities to serve God and his church on a hunch. On a whim. <coughs> Be careful. Oh, I think this feels right. And I'm going to go with it. Then come to find out later there was a the wrong choice because you were on a hunch. You know, if you can look back and find those so-called God moments where you thought God was telling you to do this or to do that and it didn't go very well. There's your sign. Take a step back. Number six. Can I live with the worst case scenario? It was only a dollar, right? Jonathan, what, what, do, you, what do we have to lose? Well, about, about 200 yards and a, and a little breath. Because they just had to run back down the valley and run back up the other side. If they were wrong. If God wouldn't have come out. What's the worst case scenario? And can I live with it? Number seven, do I have an exit strategy? Do you have a way back to where you were? Jonathan knew that he and his armor bearer could make it back across the ravine. If they said that they were coming down for them, they knew that they could make it back to safety before they caught up with them. I know people have had very clear voices from God to leave everything and to move and do this or do that to take on this job or to not take on this job. The doors were all open only to find out later that it was only a hunch and it completely fell apart. They lost everything. Their place to live, their finances, their reputation. Relationships failed. They came back home with their tail between their legs. And guess what? They were angry at God. If you get to the end of this list of questions and you're still a little foggy, we need to use the perhaps paradigm. Blind faith is stupid. I think the most extraordinary step of faith is simply doing what God tells you to do right where you are. Not jumping into something crazy, but just following through with what God has told you to do. Standing out in this world because you choose daily to follow his word in every part of of your life. God's word is plain. God's word is clear. His will for our lives is clear. There's no reason to jump out and be crazy and go on blind faith. I want us to end passage of scripture in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Go there with me. You know where 2 Peter is. We did a whole series on, on 1 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. Very close to the back of your Bible. Listen to it. Read along with me. Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. 
It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. He's given it to us. It's in his word. We've received all this by coming to know him and the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable us to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence, knowledge. And with knowledge, self-control. And with self-control, patience, endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And with godliness, brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. If you're doing all that, you know what? Verse 8 says, the more you grow up like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those called by God and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How many of you want a grand entrance when you get there? I don't want to sneak in. I don't want to come in a side door. I want to go right in those main doors and say, you know what? I'm here because I gave everything I could. I'm here because I pushed all that other stuff away so that I could follow what God wants me to do. I want to have conversations with, with Jesus Christ about the things that happened here. I don't want to be ashamed of the things that happened here. I want to be able to have those conversations there. I hope you do too. We want a grand entrance when we get there. Heaven's going to be great. We need to look forward to it. But blind leaps of faith, not what it's all about. I hope there's been some things that we've shared this morning that can bless your life, that can give you strength and courage and energy to continue doing what it is that God wants you to do. I know there's time for change, and I know that those changes are scary. I think going over some of those questions in your head, maybe you even write them out. Go through them one by one. They may take you a whole year to go through all those questions, to get the advice that you need, to find out what it is that God's telling you. When God's unclear, spend some time thinking about what it is that He wants you to do. Thank you for your attention. And uh, once again, I hope there's been some things that have been shared you can, you can start working on. Start making it.